Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. This is Drew. What's up, everybody? Hello, everyone. So today, we are going to do an episode on a manga series called Inuyashiki. <laughs> is, that, is that right? I'm just, I'm reading it phonetically, so I'm not yeah. sure if I'm saying that right. I, th- I think okay. it's pronounced Inuyashiki. Okay, Inu- Inuyashiki. There we go. Your, your gringo <laughs> tongue is still struggling. Yeah, exactly. With the... <laughs> Damn my western hide. <laughs> this is a manga. Do you want to give the credits, Drew? Sure. So this is written and drawn by Hiroya Oku. It was originally serialized in Japan in Evening Magazine, which is a seinen magazine aimed at an adult demographic. It was serialized between... January 2014 to July 2017. Kodansha published the English versions. There are 10 volumes of it. Originally, I didn't know if we were going to read all 10 volumes for this episode. I guess you ended up doing it all in about a week or maybe even a little bit less than a week. So here we are. We're going to go through the entire series in this episode. To our listeners, if you haven't read it, I will say that it's a pretty short read. I would highly recommend it. We'll try to avoid spoiling too many key details. I mean, we're, we're going to do a dive into it for sure. But if, if you care about uh, not having the ending spoiled, we'll, we'll save the ending for the end of the episode. Like we, We'll tell you before we spoil anything that'll be too exactly. crucial. We'll, we'll fire a flare. We'll, uh, you know, we'll release some doves. Um, uh, we'll blow a conch shell or a ram's horn. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be just like Lord of the Flies. Exactly, exactly. We will just, it'll be very grand yeah. and melodramatic when we announce that spoilers are about to happen. Yeah, you, know? you just don't we, want to end up like Piggy. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lord of the Fri- Flies reference, everyone. <laughs> We are a literary podcast. We I read, read a lot of Snapple comics. Caps. Yeah, <laughs> we read everything from comic books to Snapple caps to yeah to Bazooka Joe literature. comic strips that come with gum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so just yeah. a brief. I, I'll give a brief uh, plot synopsis of the of the manga itself. Uh, so Inu Yashiki Yashiki is a is an older gentleman who who has a family that uh, basically disrespects him at the beginning of the series. They're they're with him, you know they they're they don't really respect anything that he does, and he's he's just a decent, meek, unassuming guy, but you know he just doesn't get any respect. Um, one night while he's out on a walk, uh, an explosion occurs that ends up killing him and another person. And it turns out that the explosion is caused by these alien beings. So while they're once once the accident has occurred, the these alien beings decide, you know, like any good uh, screw up that that happens, we got to fix this fast. Right. So. Yeah. We got to cover their, it up. We got to cover it up. So what's their solution? Let's reconstruct their bodies, but using our alien technology. Uh, we're gonna no one use, will be able to tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it turns out 
the 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 what's it called the 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 outline or the the foundation that they have to use to rebuild these two individuals that they basically killed uh is they rebuild them using war uh technology used for war so they're basically rebuilt as war robots you know yeah so they still look like themselves for all intents and purposes but um their bodies are now just weapons of mass destruction yeah from the from the outside they they do actually look exactly the way that they look uh before they were killed and they still have all their memories and their their thoughts it's just that internally their organs have been replaced with machinery yeah and they're yeah. they're crazy strong. They can fly. They can communicate to other machines. They can, you know, their bodies are just made of alien technology that can do stuff that yeah. is essentially beyond uh, our imagination. You know, yeah. it's like they can do things that are almost magical. They have uh, highly advanced weapon systems inside them. Mm-hmm. Like they just, I don't think they shoot lasers or anything. Like, I'm not entirely clear on that, but they definitely shoot missiles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of missiles and micro munitions. Yeah. And they're super durable. Like, yeah. you can't, you can't, uh, if you shoot them, they're not, they're, they're going to be able to shrug it off. They have yeah. super strength. Exactly. Uh, even if you somehow manage to knock them out or incapacitate them, their robot autopilot will take over and continue to defend their body. You know, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a a wep- a tool for war. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and it's the story of the this old man in you in Yashki in Yashki in Yashki, and just how um, you know, what these powers allow him to do you know allow him to be and yeah. uh you know alternatively it's also the story of what happens when someone less reputable has those powers and that's the that's my basic synopsis of it you feel yeah. like there's any other details that you want to add drew no that's that's the main starting point i i think I will say that the thing that drew me to this manga in the first place was the initial premise of it. Because I remember a couple years ago, we were at Green Apple and browsing the comics inside the store there. And on one of the displays, somebody who worked at the store had put up a couple volumes of Inuyashiki. And, you know, if you go to an indie bookstore, sometimes on the displays the if it's one of those employee recommended books they'll they'll read a little blurb to kind of sell you on the recommendation mm. and i don't remember what the blurb said but i ended up flipping through the the manga at the store and i was like oh this does look pretty interesting because the main thing that was unusual about it is that it is about an old man so like inuyashiki yeah. the character he's a 58 year old father of two teenagers and he's he's got a wife um but the thing about him is he's he looks older than he actually is and this is something that other characters in the story comment on too so he's he's 
he's like in his late fifties, but he looks like a grandpa. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he's he's not some fit guy. He's not some guy who who was a military veteran or a martial artist or or anything like that. This guy is truly just your typical average uh, salary man kind of person. Yeah. With a little, you know, he's a little pot bellied because he's older. He's got a little gut. Uh, you know, he's he's balding and he's he's older. He's hunched wrinkled, over a lot. Hunched over, yeah. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was interesting to do a story where a character like that was the, the hero protagonist. Yeah, and the hero, because so yeah. many so many stories are always about good-looking people or y- young people. If they're yeah. not if they're not uh, you know super attractive adults in the prime of their lives they're just attractive teenagers or or cute kids or something but i can't really think of too many stories that have an old man as the protagonist well now that you mention it there was that period of time where i feel like hollywood was making a bunch of movies where the protagonist was an old man so I felt like Taken was kind of the starting point for that. And Yeah, we, I guess I could see that. Yeah, and like but they did one with Michael Caine. Liam Kane. Neeson is a different type of old man from Yeah. This yeah, old man. I mean, he's pretty old now, but I'm pretty sure he could still kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a big dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh it's like I was also trying to think of are there any other comics that have old man have old men as the main character and and like the first thing that came to my mind was like old man Logan but you know that doesn't really count like Wolverine yeah. doesn't count as an old man or or even something like old man Hawkeye or uh last year we were talking about Punisher the end and you know super yeah. old Frank Castle at the end of the world like that's still not a regular old man you know like yeah. Those are those are old guys that could still kill us with well, one hand tied behind their back. The other one that I was I just thought up was uh like Wildcat. But yeah, he could still kill us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mean Wildcat yeah. from the Justice Society? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I always feel like out of all the Justice Society guys, uh like a bunch of them got de aged, but he always struck me as one of the ones that stayed old, I think. But they they go back and forth on that a lot, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think he was still young enough to keep on fighting alongside the team, so I don't I don't think he yeah. was really. He didn't have a walker or nothing. <laughs> no, no, he did not. The other thing about the story is that when Inuyashiki gets his body replaced with this superpowered robot body, the other person that was caught in the explosion. Is a teenager named Shishigami, and this teenager ends up becoming the villain of the story. He is a kid who he's a I, I always forget the difference or the distinction between a sociopath and a psychopath. Mm. But basically, all you got to know about this Shishigami kid is that he's pure evil, and he ends up yeah. using his superpowers to kill and kill and kill. Well, okay, so, I okay, I think, well, not even I think, I like, if I just had to say, and, you know, again, I could totally be off the mark, but 
I feel like a psychopath is someone who's like visibly insane, whereas a sociopath would be someone who can look like he can integrate into society, but he's so devoid of emotion and or they're so devoid of emotion or uh, connect connection to other humans that that's the thing that makes them crazy. Right. Okay. If I Got if it. I had to guess, I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, like yeah, it's the difference between just being like outwardly insane and uh, I guess inwardly quietly insane. Because <laughs> <laughs> Shishigami, he he for like on on the surface he looks and sounds just like a normal person, but it isn't until you really talk to him and like look at or 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 scratch beneath the surface to find out what his outlook on life is and like what he thinks of other people that mm -hmm. you get a real taste for what's wrong with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a point where he talks about how like it's a flashback to him having this conversation with like a buddy of his. And I, I think this is the scene anyways, but he, he basically says, I don't really, care too much about other people unless it's you know unless something happens to like someone in my family i just don't care about what happens to anybody else you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah i i get it maybe there are like people out there who 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 can look at that and be like yeah family's important and yada da, 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 and whatever right but uh i mean I, the way that he says it, it's it's way colder than than it's more than just well I'll I, I I value my family more than other people. It's it's literally it's literally the idea that other people are just worthless to him, and yeah. the only people he he has any care for are maybe a couple of friends and his family. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, like. He in in this story, Shishigami definitely cared about his mother, but you could also make the argument if he really cared about her, why did he become a mass murderer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he could have convinced himself that he wasn't actively harming his mother, so <laughs> still it's a it's a pretty <laughs> selfish thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Albert, what were your general thoughts on the series? Uh so I okay, I'll start off by saying this much. Uh I was in the bookstore with you when I first uh was exposed to this book. And mm -hmm. if I had to be perfectly honest, I don't remember what the the blurb was either, but I do remember looking I do remember that the manga caught my eye because I was walking by and you just the cover is just a close up of this old man's face, you know? Yeah. And and it's not a flattering depiction either. Like the guy he's is not a, he's not really a handsome person. Yeah, he's not yeah, he's not good looking and I'd even go as far as to say that the the way that they drew the picture, there's a there's a certain level of like uncanny valley to it that I find personally disturbing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's you know? intentional. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I believe it. I believe it. Uh, 
So it was something that I, I think I took off the shelf. I, I flipped through it a little bit, but other than that, I didn't really uh, think too much of it. And it wasn't until you started reading it and you you began filling in the details and really hyped it up for me that I was like, okay, I'll give this a shot. You know, I'll 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 dig into it. Plus, yeah, you you let me read the digital digital files. So, um, yeah, yeah this I, was one of those those uh series that I ended up finding uh, a bundle on. Uh, I think it was Humble Bundle several months ago, or maybe it was late last year, and it was. It came in a, a bundle with a horror manga, uh, uh-huh. so I don't know. I don't really know why it was classified with a bunch of horror manga. I I think there are horrifying elements to the story, but yeah. personally, I wouldn't. If I had to categorize the manga, I wouldn't categorize Inuyashiki as a horror story. Yeah. To me, this is a superhero comic, and yeah. it's it's also interesting to me because i i don't read too many japanese superhero comics like most of the manga that i am interested in doesn't really have anything to do with superhero uh fiction or doesn't fall under that that genre so this was an interesting perspective on a genre that you know we we both read a lot of american superhero comics and this is one of the few that I'd say uh, is a superhero comic that isn't an American comic. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Um, yeah, like I, I, I have pretty favorable. I have a pretty favorable opinion of this book. It's it's definitely entertaining. Uh, mm-hmm. I think on the surface it just it, it's it's basically an action story with really compelling characters at, at its core. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I dug it quite a bit. I was, I was invested in, in Yashki's, uh, character development. I was, uh, invested in the development of his family and, uh, just the stakes, uh, that were at risk, everything that was going on between, uh, the conflict between him and Shishigami. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but but I do think, in addition to the fact that there are, are all these, uh, in addition to the fact that there's um, a lot of superhero elements to this, there are the 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 manga does have some pretty interesting things to say. Uh, like I don't know if my what I got from it is fully flushed out at this point, but uh like and just to be clear like i literally just finished reading it right before this podcast so there's (laughs) there's definitely a lot there uh that i'm still processing Mm -hmm. like you know if you ask me what if you ask me what i think about it in a day or two i might have i might be able to articulate it better or i might even have entirely new ideas that i hadn't thought of sure right now sure uh, but there are some interesting ideas that they go over in this book, you know? Yeah, totally. And I also feel like now I got to I gotta share with our audience that I read this probably, I don't know, 
three or four weeks ago and i read it in the span of like less than a week also like i started reading volume one and i was just so engrossed by it that i was compulsively reading the rest of the series and it's not a long series i mean it's 10 volumes but it's not a dense series Mm. so like it's it's mostly there's a lot of pages that that are you know three to four panels like a lot of action-oriented manga tend to be and even the pages that have like six to nine panels tend to be wordless or at least have like very few words in them so you can actually read it pretty fast and there's there's also a lot of double page spreads and splash yeah. pages. Yeah. So it, it didn't take me long to read, but I was just so engrossed by it. And I, I remember I was telling you about it because I was, I don't know, I was just, I think I was just so excited or I, I yeah. enjoyed the story so much. And I just had to, you know, talk to you about what I was digging about it. And, I got um, that impression from you for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't expecting or planning to to do an episode about it but um i think last week you you said yeah let me uh, check it out man so so i hit you up with the first volume of it and ended up reading it and and uh ended up getting the rest of it so mm-hmm. uh yeah it was kind yeah. of i think i think i was surprised that you ended up consuming it all so quickly in such a short span of time because like a couple months ago, we we did uh, Space Brothers Volume One. <laughs> that was just like one volume of a, of yeah. a series, and then t- and then all of a sudden in one week, we're like, oh, let's do like this entire <laughs> ten volume series. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, a couple of episodes back, not even a couple, maybe a few, we did do Girls Last Tour, and that was like six volumes too. So, uh, you know, not not two. That was six volumes. So. We we certainly have it in us to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's that's but, true. That that one, I uh, I read that as fast as I could, and I watched all the episodes yeah. of the anime. Yeah. And I, actually, I, I was pretty the, surprised the, that you were able that you committed to like watching it all. But I was like, okay, <laughs> dude, I I do it for you, man. When you say we we wanted we got to do an episode about such and such, I'm like, okay, man, I I gotta. I gotta do my research, man. I, I don't want to put on a half-hearted show for the people, man. Because between we the gutters is for the children. You don't want to let down the kids, man. You can't disappoint them. Will somebody please think of the children? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that doesn't even make sense in this context because Inuyashiki is definitely not for kids. <laughs> oh, it's definitely not for kids. Actually, yeah, I would not want a kid to read this. Actually, when you mention it, though... Uh, I did have an interesting thought about the art. Uh, so I think reading this manga and um, you know knowing what knowing the level of violence in the content, mm-hmm. uh, I was always waiting for it to be just something that was filled with viscera, especially when they were like punching people and stuff. Like I. Yeah. I, I expected to, it to be on the level of something like Battle Angel Alita, where like people would just punch people in the head and their heads would explode, or the and or you'd watch people yeah. get just eviscerated. But I mean, there's still definitely a, a level of violence in here that's more than average. You know, like people mm-hmm. get shot and stuff. But 
Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that he didn't go to that degree or to that level, you know? Yeah, it's it's very violent, but it's not gory. And, yeah, exactly. And Oku doesn't really focus very much on the shock value or the gratuitousness of yeah. the violence. It's It's more about, I think the shocking thing is just the fact that this Shishigami teenage kid with the powers ends up doing what he does. Like that's, I think that's that is pretty shocking, truly shocking. Like that there could be yeah. somebody who, who gains essentially godlike power and decides to use it in a very childish, but very yeah. evil way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty terrifying, especially entrusting that level of power to someone who just, has such little disregard for life <laughs> or such yeah. little regard for life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just yeah. a really immature kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, actually, you know what you just made me think of? You just made me think of this incident uh, a few, maybe like two months ago, I was taking the bus and I saw these teenage kids almost get into a fight with an older woman so we were on the bus, and this woman, uh, she was probably in her late 40s or maybe early 50s, but she saw this group of teenage, uh, I think they were mostly all boys, but there were probably like eight or 12 of them. They all sat in the back of the bus, and sh she saw them tagging up the bus. I think a couple of them had pulled out markers, and they were just, you know, doing dumb stuff. Yeah. So she yelled at them and called them out. And they started yelling back at her, cussing at her. So she cussed at them back. And it just became the shouting match. Eventually, the bus driver was like, I'm pulling over. And the police are on their way. So, of course, that's when the kids are all, okay, let's just get out of here. And as, as they filed out of the bus, some of them started throwing little bits of trash at this woman. Mm. And one of them threw something at her. And at that point, uh, you know, she'd had enough. So she actually, like, pushed him. Physically, mm. you know, she pushed him and he just took a swing at her, broke her glasses and he started screaming and frothing at the mouth. Like I'd never seen a kid's face turn that red and he was just screaming and hollering all this hate at her. And he, he was throwing punches, but then his uh, the other punches didn't connect because one of his friends was trying to pull him back. But I, I just remember seeing a kid lose his mind like that. And I was like, dude, this is absolutely ridiculous. And. I mean, to be honest, I was really hoping that nothing more would happen because it's like, dude, if he started attacking her for real, I felt like I would have had to get involved somehow. Yeah. And I really didn't want to fight a kid. Yeah. You know, it was just like, when I take the bus, I just want to be left alone and be yeah. able to get home. But People should just take the bus for a ride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all it's for, man. Exactly. But for some reason, seeing that that one kid lose his mind, lose, he totally lost his crap. Like, imagine if a kid like that got these powers that could let him kill somebody just by looking at them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, kids are... Yeah. I, I, there's, there's always going to be that some level of just incompetence and immaturity... And and I'm, it sounds like it was one of those situations where if you get them in a group, 
I'm pretty sure, like, it's just like this snowball effect of just a bunch of dumb ideas, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. But that's one of the interesting contrasts of Inuyashiki, the manga series, is is that there is this uh, huge contrast between the protagonist and the antagonist because when Inuyashiki gains his powers, first of all, he he starts off pretty shocked at what's happened to himself when he realizes that he's become a robot. He doesn't really know, or a cyborg or whatever you want to call it, he doesn't really know what to do with himself until he realizes that one of his powers is that he can heal people from serious illnesses or injuries. So like if you're if you're paralyzed or if you have cancer, he can just touch you and concentrate and that alien mojo will do its thing and completely heal you, which is crazy. So yeah. he ends up using his free time on the weekends to, to go to hospitals and go on, you know, he goes to the cancer wards and, and stuff like that and he just starts healing people. Yeah. Whereas uh, the antagonist, Shishigami, he uses his powers and he starts doing these random home invasions where he'll he'll just go to a house somewhere in the city and kill the entire family you know even the even the kids and the babies yeah just yeah. for kicks yeah um like he the first i, I want to say that the first thing he does is he goes to his friend's house and it begins it begins with like little stuff, right? So he starts, uh, you know, showing off his new powers, but it gets dark really quick because he starts asking him things like, "Hey, weren't there some people who were bullying you?" Or, well, okay, even before that. So it starts out with him messing around, and mm-hmm. he eventually starts. He 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 start, he starts showing his friend. Hey, look what I can do the, to this TV! And he messes with the images and like puts porn on on the TV, you yeah. know, stuff like that. And then, you know, his final trick is he starts controlling all these cars, and he per- makes them crash on purpose, you know, basically just a massive uh, pileup. Well, not a pileup, but like just a massive amount of cars just crashing all of a sudden, just to show that hey, I can control these cars, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the conversation, he asks his buddy, hey, hey, weren't you being bullied the other day? And, you know, he kind of coyly plays at the idea that he could kill these people just for for bullying his friend, you know? Yeah. And, and his friend is pretty horrified at the idea, but he's, he, you know, he, he gives him the benefit of the doubt and he's just like, you're just joking, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then that chapter ends or like at some point it ends with um, it's pretty shocking with him inside the the home of this bully. And, you know, they don't show who the bully is, but he's inside this house and he kills the bully's mom and he kills the dad and he kills a baby brother, you know? Yeah. It's just yeah. cold and methodical, and it's just, it's chilling, you know? Yeah. And then when the bully shows up, it's it's just this teenage girl, you know? So mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, 
emotional bullying is still bad, but you know, it doesn't it's not mean like, that that their entire family needs to get slaughtered. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. But there is something pretty. I mean, I don't know if if you feel the same way, but but when when he when when the author was um, setting up the bully, like in my mind, I thought it was like you know a traditional bully, which was a dude that was just beaten up on this kid. But there's something shocking about it just being this skinny teenage girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely yeah. unexpected. Yeah, and then uh, Shishigami starts torturing this girl, like not not physically torturing her, but he toys with her like like a cat and and a mouse, you know, like yeah. talking with her and just kind of uh, mocking her, I guess, or teasing her, just just to mess with her, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which just which for is his just, own personal amusement. Yeah, just just. So and it's just a sign of just how sadistic the dude is. Yeah, yeah, this, this dude is very sadistic. Yeah. Another since you mentioned the friend who was getting bullied, that character that character's name is Ando. And uh-huh. he's he's one of the key characters of the story too because he even though he's Shishigami's friend, he actually still has like a pretty good heart. Like he he doesn't he's want his integrity. friend to yeah, he yeah. doesn't want his friend to start going wild and murdering people. And once he actually figures out that his buddy is this murderer, he essentially cuts him off out of his life. And, you know, he doesn't want to be friends with somebody like that. Yeah. And as things, as the story escalates, Ando ends up discovering that Shishigami isn't the only one with these superpowers. He starts reading the news that the reports of some of all these people being mysteriously healed at these hospitals. So, you know, being a, a massive manga fan himself, he starts piecing things together. It's like, hey, if somebody's able to do all this, if I just hang around at these different hospitals, maybe I'll be able to catch him in the act. And if I can meet this guy, I can find somebody who can help me stop Shishigami from being this mass murderer or continuing mm. to murder. Yeah. So, so he ends up meeting Inuyashiki and starts trying to like help him understand how to use his his weapons and the technology and stuff uh but uh, it's it's pretty slow going man and as you read the story you just get the sense that if the two of them if shishigami and inuyashiki ever had to fight like it would be pretty hard to imagine inuyashiki winning the fight (laughs) just because he's not like he doesn't even know how to use his guns you know yeah yeah not to start off with yeah and I guess that makes sense with uh, Shishigami being this younger guy with just better instincts for technology because he picks up on all of the things that he can do pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. probably read a bunch of comic books and watched a bunch of movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I thought that was an interesting uh, detail to include when when they wrote uh, when they were writing the manga. I was like, that... Totally makes sense, and it's not an element that, yeah, it's it's, it's not an element that I see too much. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I also thought that another scene that was pretty telling and pretty good uh, about what was what was the friend's name again? 
Ando? Yeah. The thing the the thing about Endo was so when he confronts uh Inuyashaki in uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the old man. The old man. Oh <laughs> uh, like he's watching him uh heal these people and there's this moment where he just he like breaks down in tears at just how in awe of, of Yeah of in you in you in he is, you know? Yeah. Like he's it's he's genuinely moved by seeing exactly. somebody with such a good heart. Exactly. And he even goes, Man, you're just you're a superhero. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was a good scene, but it it de- it's definitely telling of just how good and how pure this guy is. Yeah, you know. I remember when I was reading the series and I was describing some of these scenes to you, and I was telling you about how the old man uh, uses his powers to heal people's cancer or to heal the the people who are paralyzed and stuff, and. And I was describing all the stuff that the kid was doing to, to use his powers to kill people. And you were like, um, I remember you said something uh, over the text where you were like, oh, man, this this old man can't fight him. And I don't uh, it might have just been like a comment. But in my imagination, I imagined your heart sinking when you said something when you said that. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, <laughs> there's no way this guy can win a fight against a kid that's all about killing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, Shishigami is just—he's a monster. When once he gets like the full use of his powers, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I, I well, okay. Prior to that, I, I I do feel like there are some other bits and pieces of uh, Inuyashiki's hero's journey that that were pretty. Uh, they were pretty good. Well, not good, but entertaining to read. Mm-hmm. So there's like this brief uh, break where they start telling the story of this young girl who, you know, who's just in this relationship with uh, uh, another pretty unassuming uh, guy, right? Like there's, uh, there's this scene where she's 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 at her job and she's talking to her friend and her friend's like i just don't get why why you're you're cute and uh you know yeah you're cute and i don't and you're really nice and i don't see why you would be with someone who doesn't have a great job or looks that great or whatever right yeah why are you with some average dude (laughs) yeah but and you know it's it's really (laughs) They just set these people, these two characters up, and it's pretty crazy because eventually what they introduce is just this Yakuza gang lord who's just a monster in his own right, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I I would not want him to get any powers either, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, even without his powers, he was doing plenty of damage. Yeah, and the story becomes about how this yakuza lord just terrorizes these this this young couple because he, he basically wants to rape the woman yeah yeah exactly you know that, that that's like you see him in an earlier scene where he uh basically just uses his men to kidnap a woman and he just rapes her and kills her yeah he gets her addicted to drugs just so she becomes like reliant on him and 
she gets broken uh, mentally, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, this is just how the guy operates. Like, he's... Yeah, he's just totally disgusting. And this is kind of the first test for uh, Inuyashiki. So, you know, uh, from from that point on, uh, he learns that he has the these, like, heightened senses that you know lead him to find the this this couple in uh in turmoil you know because so much of that story arc was about the development of this this couple and just how they are yeah just how they come into contact with this yakuza gang lord and how he's just dismantling their life and mm-hmm. you do not see Inuyashiki for a long portion of it until suddenly, yeah. um, you know, when when it's at its worst, basically, uh, the the Yakuza Lord kidnaps this girl at one point, and he, he's about to do, you know, he's about to rape her, but she escapes, and they think that the worst of it is done, but the 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 Yakuza Lord and his his henchmen go to their house and he's about to just straight murder this dude. He's, he's like a giant too. He's super tall and he's just choking the life out of this little, little dude lifting Mm -hmm. him off the ground and, you know, choking the life out of him. When all all of a sudden Inuyashiki just comes in there and he's just like punching these soldiers around, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's this, this old man. Who, yeah. who just looks like a like a grandpa, and he's beating up all these guys yeah. who are just these tough mafia or yakuza thug looking dudes, you know? Yeah. They got they scary got dudes, tattoos and weapons and things. Yeah, 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 scary people. And oh yeah, and the other thing that I feel like needs to be mentioned is Iyashiki when he goes into his superhero mode, he doesn't have a costume. He's basically just wearing sweats and he's shirtless. Yeah. Like every time. <laughs> yeah, because when, whenever he activates his his flight, his back opens up for these boosters to show to to pop out. Yeah. And when that happens, whatever shirt he's wearing gets torn up, so he just takes his shirt off. <laughs> so yeah. It's like the shirtless grandpa running around town. It's it's, it's pretty it's funny. It's a pretty funny image. Yeah. And yeah. like, there's even scenes later where, like, once once he's gotten accustomed to 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 how his powers work, he it's not even a matter of like the shirt being ripped off. He'll like take it off. It's kind of like Superman, right? Yeah. <laughs> except, <laughs> except he doesn't have the S and the emblem, but <laughs> yeah, it's that's his costume. <laughs> like, what if what if Superman fought crime shirtless? Uh. It wouldn't be as funny as Inuyashiki, because, <laughs> like, Superman's still a young, like, fit dude who's who's just barrel-chested, and it'd be like, okay, sure, like, I, I can see Superman fighting without a shirt, all right, but it's not funny, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, so the story with the Yakuza ends with, uh... Inuyashiki go so they the the yakuza eventually kidnap the girl again and leave the two uh 
for dead, and Inuyashiki decides to go and take on all of the Yakuza, and he basically just unleashes his might on them and butchers, like, I don't even know how many dudes there were, but, you know, I, I think it's fair to, to say headquarters. it was... Yeah, it's it's and, fair to say it's an entire yeah. like family of them. Yeah, know? and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, what ends up happening is he he beats up the main guy uh, in hand to hand combat. Yeah. But then, like when all of the other soldiers and people come after him, like eventually they just kind of wear him down with all the bullets and stuff, and he he loses consciousness. But while he's unconscious, his robot body takes over and just yeah. unleashes a hellstorm of micro munitions and kills all of them or yeah. at least like shoots them all in the eye or something right like yeah. don't they all get blinded or something yeah so they don't so like i don't know like if subconsciously he did it so that his body was just so specific and precise that all it did was cripple and blind all these guys but that's, that's right, what he crippled them too. <laughs> yeah, but that's what he did. Yeah, so, he ain't a mass murderer, man. He just he just makes them <laughs> wish they were dead. <laughs> yeah, so what ends up happening is his his I forget if it's his back or if it's his chest that opens up. But I think it's his back. His back opens up and all these like tiny missiles just fly out of him and they mm-hmm. just blind and cripple all these guys and it it's it was actually a pretty cool scene cuz all the so all these Yakuza, uh, like, and it's not even one family. Like, I think it's, like, all of them. It's, it's like, everyone in their Yakuza yeah. council or whatever. And they're, they're all on the ground. or something. Yeah, exactly. And they're all on the ground, and they're just, like, uh, some of them are swearing and cussing at him and just saying things like, you know, one of us, it just, it'll just take even just one of us to kill your entire family or to kill you, you know? Like, we're, we're going to... If even one of us can uh, survive this, we're going to come after you and just wipe out your family is basically what he's saying. And uh, Inuyashiki's response is like, I, I, I forget verbatim what it was, but it was something to the effect of you, you're, 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 you're blind and you're crippled now and you're like in a place where you're suffering Perhaps you should take this time to like reflect on your deeds in your life, and maybe you'll be a better person or something like that. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 I don't remember the exact words either, but the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good scene. Uh, and again, like, you know, he he has all, all this power, and even so, like, showed so much restraint. And even in that moment, he still could have killed them, but he chose not to. And instead, he chose to tell them, hey, you guys were murderers and rapists and robbers in, in your life, but now you're you're weak and you're in a position where you're going to need to rely on the help of other people. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you should, like, take this time to reflect on your behavior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? uh yeah it's time for you guys to be better yeah yeah it's a it's a pretty i thought that was a cool little speech and a cool little moment yeah definitely one of those examples of an old man dropping his old man wisdom (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Like it, you wouldn't expect some young punk to to say or do something like that, but I could yeah. easily see an old guy yeah. doing that. Yeah. If anything, usually with uh, you know, with young, when you have a young protagonist in a story, they always end it with like a catchphrase or something. Consider yeah, that a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna You're be cool, fired. Man. <laughs> Something like that, you know. Uh, no, nothing, nothing with as much care as to try to tell someone, "Hey, maybe this is your opportunity to be a better person." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Did, were there any other cool moments or good scenes that jumped out at you, Drew? I think. There were some scenes that I don't want to call them cool because I'm thinking of scenes where Shishigami was just doing his thing and killing people. Right. But they were definitely memorable. Like, there's a scene where well, Shishigami... Okay. Yeah. Before, like, is this a spoiler thing? Or is this... Are you... Like, should we break into spoiler territory? Or do we just go with uh, this... It's 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 a mild spoiler, but it, it's not something that will. It's not anything like we've already talked about how this kid is a is a murderer. Yeah. So this is just kind of more sense. along those lines. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, not not gonna spoil the ending, at least not yet. Yeah. But I was gonna say how uh, one of the things that a lot of superhero comics do superhero comics in general do is they build up the villain and really help you see how bad the villain is right like that's a pretty common thing you see in in any kind of superhero comic but i felt like the way that uh hiroya oku did it in inuyashiki was to a far greater degree than we typically see in a lot of marvel or dc comics and maybe it's because with Marvel and DC, there's all this continuity. So people see someone like Thanos or Red Skull show up. They already have an idea of the level of evil that those characters represent. Whereas with a story like Inuyashiki, you know, because everything is self-contained, he's got to kind of show you the characters you know and and as much time as he devotes to showing us how the old man uh you know learns who he is and develops his powers he spends an equal amount of time showing how this teenager shishigami develops as well mm, and yeah. he can conti- he continually escalates the situation like he's he starts off killing the bullies that uh, hurt his friend and then it turns into a series of random home invasions where he's just killing for fun and that draws the attention of the police and when they finally figure out it's him they come after him yeah and they don't have anything that can stop this guy i mean they can shoot him it doesn't really do anything like if they shoot him with enough bullets maybe they'll knock him unconscious for like five minutes but mm-hmm. he's just gonna get back up and kill him again you know like there's nothing that they can do he's just way too strong way too fast he has access to their 
technology. He can control their technology and communications. And, you know, there's just no way that they can stop him. And at one point, they send this uh, entire team after him. And he becomes a just this mass fugitive on the run. Like, they discover his identity and reveal his identity to to the to the country or i guess really to the world uh, because at this point he's just become infamous yeah and when he goes on the run they they end up i mean it's what do you expect the police to do right of course they're gonna interview his uh close relations so they they interrogate his mother and you know they just want to learn about him or whatever and then you know you got the media talking to his mother and, the, and then she the ironic, gets I was, I was going to say, say she also, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the ironic thing is that even bef- right right before this happened, he and his mother had a conversation where they were talking about these mass murderers and these or uh, the home invasion murders, and and he was like, uh, "What would you do if if I turned out to be a killer like whoever was doing this?" And she was like, "I guess I would have to kill myself, right? Like, how could any mother? Uh, that's the only thing a mother could do if she raised." A monster like that <laughs> and, yeah and then when she learns that it really was her son who did these monstrous things like yeah you, you have these scenes where she's on the news apologizing to the country for the horrible crimes that her son has done and then later on you discover that yeah she did kill herself because of that like she yeah. couldn't live with the knowledge that she raised a monster yeah what were you gonna say albert well, I was going to say, well, okay, I was going to piggyback on what you just said, which was, so she ends up killing herself, but I have a feeling that the way that Shishigami took it was, was that, I, I don't know if he took the blame onto himself, because it felt like the way he took it was, all these cops were interviewing her. And then she was being pestered online by, like, you know, everyone on the internet. Yeah, people so, on Twitter were, were tweeting things like, that that lady needs to kill herself. How could she yeah, live with herself exactly. after raising a monster like that? And then you got the yeah. the news media uh, going yeah. to her house. You know, they're camped out trying to, trying to see what she's doing and stuff. Yeah. So from his perspective, she was driven to it, and he just blamed everybody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and it, it just snowballs from there, and, yeah. and that's what makes that's what makes his evil so memorable because he doesn't take a single ounce of personal responsibility, and what he does instead is using his powers. He's he this guy freaking scrolls through Twitter, finds everybody who said a negative comment about his mom, and then kills each one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's, it's pretty terrifying how he does it too because his body allows him to interact with technology so so yeah he has the ability to like trace these tweets back to their source and he mm-hmm. can he could very easily go to their the house of the person that made the tweet or the post or whatever and kill them right there for an up close and personal touch but in addition to that he has the ability to basically use the technology the screens to kill them you know yeah. 
Like he'll, I, he'll show up on your on your smartphone screen or your computer monitor and yeah. say hello, and then he'll point at the screen and say bang, and then you actually get shot and you're you're dead. <laughs> like yeah. there's nothing. The only thing you can do is turn off your screen, turn off your phone. Yeah, he's a ghost in the machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's no real explanation for for those powers or any explanation of the science or physics behind it, but it it's it's alien, you know. So like I think. If you're willing to to just buy into the idea that now he's got these crazy powers, it's it's just horrifying. Like that yeah. that's the kind of thing it can get you wherever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just have to hide from your technology. Like that's the only only thing that you can do. Yep. Yep. So he does all that, and then he and then that sets you know the police are still after him, and he ends up. Just I guess just to make a statement or something, he goes to a police station and executes every single police officer in the building. Yeah. And it, it's just ridiculous how unstoppable he is. Like everybody's shooting at him. They get the you know the the their equivalent of the SWAT team uh, trying to surround him, and nothing works, man. Like they just can't harm him or yeah. stop him at all. Yeah. And and once he does that, he ends up uh making a massive broadcast to the entire nation of Japan and he he tells them that he's he's going to kill every single person in the country. He basically declares a one-man war against the entire country. <laughs> and he yeah. tells them I'm going to kill 100 people every single day until all you hundreds of millions of people are dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, who the heck that would do that, man. That's like, like something a kid would that's say. Normal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, and I think that's one of the the interesting themes about the story, though, is is just this contrast between good and evil. You know, it's a very basic, a very simple theme, especially in a superhero comic. It's something that is pretty fundamental to the to the very idea or the very nature of superheroes good and evil but I, I thought that the way that Boku handled it here to really display the dichotomy or the difference like the massive gulf of a difference between Shishigami's hate and Inuyashi's heroism it's it's a really significant contrast you know it, it's yeah. it's a lot the gap between them is a lot bigger than the gap between like I don't know. Uh, Spider-Man beating up a mugger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I guess you could say it's pretty epic. I mean, the, yeah. The way that they set it up, like it's grand in just how much investment is put into just building each of these characters up, right? Yeah. The scale of it is. incredible exactly like even though the story is so fast-paced there's there's a real sense of scale and grandiosity to it and i think a a big part of that has does have to do with the artwork because the artwork it's i i read an interview with oku where he he said that he doesn't actually really read american comics but reading this it it actually did remind me a lot of American superhero comics 
Like if you if you just imagined American superhero comics, but with the pace of a manga, this this is kind of probably what it would look like because there are so many pages that are splash pages, yeah, double page spreads, and they're not really devoted to anything that is integral to uh, moving along the plot. Like you'll see a lot of scenes, a lot of pages where it's just someone flying or or you know jumping just, really high yeah or punching somebody and you get like two or three pages devoted to a simple moment that doesn't really move the plot but i think because the art is so rich and detailed it makes it makes that world feel alive like you you feel the scale of or you you feel the the weight behind the punch, like when when Inuyashi punches that Yakuza guy, and the way that the body gets his the the way that gangster's body gets contorted when he gets punched because Inuyashi's got super strength, it it makes you feel like whoa, that's a lot of power right there. You know, like there was yeah. a lot of force. There's a, yeah. there's a kinetic movement to the artwork that just draws you in and helps you understand the power levels that we're dealing with here. Even the scenes with the cityscapes and the scenes of them flying. I was reading how Oku used a lot of photo reference. Like they would, he would rent a helicopter and take photos from the sky. And he even used some drones and, and took photos with the drone. A lot of the, actually, I think he said all of the backgrounds and all the mecha and the machinery was drawn digitally. And you can tell because it's it's crazy photorealistic and detailed, but all of the people and animals, like everything that's alive was drawn by hand. So those lines look really organic, which is mm. another interesting thing about the art. Because sometimes when you see stuff like that, it it makes the people look out of place. Like it kind of looks like when it's not done well, it looks like people are just pasted on top of a digital drawing. Mm. But I thought I thought his art in this was pretty seamless. Like whatever tricks that he used to to do that was really impressive. Got to give him props because there's a, a seamless blend between the the characters and all the backgrounds, which really elevate the the scale of it. Like it 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 really makes makes you it it really conveys the idea that it's not just good and evil, but it's like good and evil with all caps. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are some of the other themes and, and ideas in the story that stood out to you, Albert? Um, yeah, so we mentioned briefly that there's there was that one moment where, uh, you know, uh, where his mom ends up getting pestered with uh, through social media from essentially what are trolls. Or, yeah. or just, I mean, I'm sure it's a combination of just trolls and regular people, but it's, it's a, internet culture feels like it, it was popping up continuously throughout the, the series. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, there's the moment where, um, Shishigami ends up going after these trolls and just killing them in their homes, uh, after everything that they do. Uh, you also have moments like 
Oh, it escapes me. I'm I'm trying to think what else was going on at the time uh, in the series, but oh yeah, you what one of the things that ends up happening is uh, Shishigami in his during his early spree he like blows up and he becomes uh, this almost like a celebrity as, yeah. as people begin to there are like, online fan clubs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's all these different elements of internet culture that pop up throughout the series and again i mentioned earlier that i i don't know if i can necessarily articulate what was uh trying to be said but i did find it interesting you know just how much of uh yeah Mm -hmm. like I, i don't know if there was necessarily any commentary about internet culture but there was something, I guess, disturbing and eerily yeah. familiar about all these things that we were seeing, you know? Yeah, um, totally. Even even the moment where Shishigami, you know, proclaims that he's going to go on this one-man war, like, there's something in that moment that it's not necessarily an internet thing, but... Shishigami basically goes on a shooting spree when he does yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to ignore <laughs> it's hard to ignore that uh especially living in America, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, totally. Yeah, so again, it's 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 a lot of these interesting ideas that pop up throughout the series uh about internet culture I, and I don't necessarily know if I can connect all those things. It's something that I'd have to sit on for a couple of days. Uh, but the it did jump out at me just initially, just at a glance, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that was something I noticed too. And I don't know if I have uh, any answers for you either, but I definitely to see your point of view man and i agree that there was a lot of stuff about internet troll culture and the mass shootings were also pretty uh pretty shocking i mean i yeah i don't really know i mean i don't think japan has a lot of mass shootings but with all the mass shootings that happen in america it, it there's seeing it in in the comic definitely it's unsettling, you know, like it, it's yeah. because the violence, the way it's carried out and depicted, it's it's not really done in a gratuitous or uh, like we were saying earlier, it's it's not focused on the gore, but it it's focused on the act of it. Right. Like you you see how evil the guy is who does it. And, yeah. And that's the thing that that makes it disturbing. I mean, obviously seeing people on the streets dying from gunshot wounds is pretty disturbing in and of itself Yeah. in, in the comic. But I think the horror comes from realizing that this could be real. Inuyash- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like if Inuyashiki can't get his act together and figure out how to control his powers, like how is he going to stop this kid from, just constantly doing this because he he ends up promising the country that he's gonna kill a hundred people 
every day until everybody in Japan is dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Yeah. 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 Like it's it's pretty devastating stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, but going back going back to the internet troll stuff you were talking about, there was that one scene where you get to see him kill one of the trolls and the I don't know, there, there was something strange about that too because it I think now that you brought it up, you kind of made me think of that scene again and mm-hmm. I'm looking at it now from a the perspective of is the creator trying to say something about internet uh internet trolls cuz yeah. the the way that he depicted that scene was the 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 troll that ends up getting killed he's a I don't know, just kind of like the stereotypical comic book guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like he's well, he's, he's kind of what we picture internet trolls to be. Yeah. Like, like just this you know heavy set dude who who uh Bad lives skin, in a really messy home. Antisocial. <laughs> antisocial. Yeah. Just feels really confident when he's behind the keyboard and, and doesn't have to face another person, right? Like he'll 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 type all this stuff and, and talk real tough and he ends up I forget exactly what it was that he typed on about about Shushigami's mother or whatever. I think but, he want. I think what he said was that. I I think he was the one that leaked her her information to the press or something like that. I, I think he was boasting about that. Right. I okay, could be wrong, that makes sense. Yeah, because I think because I think what ends up happening during the scene is when when Shushigami confronts him in person, the guy says that he didn't actually uh, do what he said he did. Like yeah. he was just saying it just so he could sound cool online, but he didn't actually, you know, he didn't he didn't actually leak her address to the press. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. And since you since you brought up that whole concept of troll culture, it it did kind of make me think uh, of how that's something that people do all the time online. You know, like you can't you got to take things with a grain of salt, obviously, but it's like people feel so confident about saying whatever they want or tweeting threats or attacks yeah. on people and stuff. Yeah. But but when they uh, have to deal with something or face the consequences of, of what they what they wrote online or posted, it's like they don't really want to they don't really want to deal with that, right? Like they the reason why they feel so confident posting what they post is because there are no consequences. Yeah. So in a way, it kind of feels like that little scene was a way for the creator to show that. I don't know. If, I don't. I wonder if like he experienced a lot of people uh, like tweeting at him because he 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 wrote that other comic, uh, that other manga, Gantz. That's like uh-huh. the really famous one. But I I wonder if people online were were like complaining about the comic or you know complaining about what he did with it or anything i mean I, I never read it and i'm totally speculating here but yeah i could imagine a scenario where where people were mad that he ended the series in a way that they didn't feel satisfied you know yeah and, and like, their result was to tweet death threats at him or try to humiliate him or something yeah stupid. yeah exactly exactly that, that's yeah. exactly what i was getting at because because we see that in in uh, american culture all the time whenever we TV see that for the ends. dumbest, smallest, most inane things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. 
I didn't like how Game of Thrones ended, so I hope the writers end up dying in a fire or something, you know? Yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Like, that's just the stupidest stuff, man. But that's but that's the that's the other thing about about troll culture, right? Is I mean, I'm not a troll, so I I can't speak for why people do what they do, but I I, I feel like I imagine that whoever these people are have some sense of some some kind of insecurities or or something, right? Where mm-hmm. like they they get some sort of rush from the idea of or 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 not even that I'm they might even get some sort of rush from just the the power that they feel from being anonymous right because it's like you said that in that one moment the guy was like I was just I didn't even do what I said I did I'm just yeah. I just wanted to do this to sound cool and but I feel like that's pretty I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. You know, to the to the totally. to the to the point and to the degree where and you know, I might not have anything to back this up, but you know, it feels like people get trolly again, people troll about the stupidest most inane things and it it might not even be about whatever it is that they're trolling about as much as it is that they just are looking for an excuse to be insufferable. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. which isn't a good look for humanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it really isn't. Yeah. The internet is very useful when it comes to a lot of things, but yeah. it also, <laughs> it also makes people, it also reminds you that people are awful. Yeah. What? Yeah. I like, I don't know if I fully advocate this, but there was a part of me that would want to, if we could regulate it to, to, to the, to a way where we could just, you know, completely take people's ability to be on the internet, people who just (laughs) don't deserve it. There's a part of me that wants to entertain that idea. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this guy should not be he should just live offline. He yeah. needs to just he or she they just need to exist in the world. <laughs> the internet is a privilege. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like this person needs to know what it's like to live with consequences because if they say something that angers someone, they need to know that someone can beat the crap out of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They need to live with that hanging over their heads. Exactly. <laughs> uh, oh man. So I, some I of the other. Also, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go no, ahead. No, you go. You go. You go. No, by all means, go. Well, I was just gonna ask you a question that you came up with earlier, just so we can discuss it on air. But the the idea of of evil. Uh, so, so regarding the idea of evil, what do you find more horrifying, stupid um, and chaotic evil or yeah. calculating and methodical evil? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we had this conversation earlier where 
uh yeah so i was telling drew about this podcast i was listening to where uh they were interviewing this author and someone noticed how all of the uh antagonists in all of his stories were these dumb douchey bros you know and Mm -hmm. uh one of the things that he was saying was in in society we tend to a lot of people tend to imagine evil as this all-knowing malevolent force that completely has their crap together. You know, like people think of something like the Illuminati or or the deep state, like the way that QAnon thinks about it, right? That there are just these forces and powers that are so much bigger than your average person that they control all of these mechanisms and levers in life that are so much bigger than than us right right and he was saying that maybe that's comforting on some level to think that all the bad things that happen happen because there's someone planning it all out but he was saying that in his book he the way that he depicts evil is usually as just this idiotic, destructive force that just does it just because it wants to do it, right? So (laughs) it's this idea that, uh, for example, one of the examples that they give was, what if aliens came from space, but, you know, we all expect aliens to be these highly advanced, uh, to be these highly advanced beings that are so much smarter and so much more evolved than we are. Uh, So their reasons might be beyond us or whatever, but what if they came to earth and just wanted to destroy just because they wanted to see if they could destroy things, you know, if they were just a destructive force of nature. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do think in Yashki in it, I do think that Shishigami, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's an example of that, certainly, because he's not really he's he's certainly conscious of, you know, like he's able to articulate himself. He's he he's not like a force of nature in the sense that he's just a tornado, but he is just pure id on some level where his whole being is just I want to kill just because I want to kill, you know, Mm hmm. Uh, so I do think that that is an argument for, for the idea of just evil as this just unrelenting force without meaning just for its own sake. Like, I do think there, this, this manga makes a compelling argument for how terrifying that idea can be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's not necessarily... Shishigami's not necessarily uh, an idiot or or stupid like that. But he's but, not planning this out for... Right. Like, he doesn't have, like, some grandmaster scheme where it's like, I'm doing this because I'm going to control all the oil wells in the, in the <laughs> Middle East or something, you know? Like, yeah, right. He's not doing it for money. He's, he's not doing, doing it for power. He's just well, doing it because he hates them. He hates yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you could say he's doing it for power in the sense that he's doing it to feel a sense of power from just mm-hmm. being able to snuff a life. But yeah. he's not 
doing it for influence, I guess, is the more accurate way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And even though, in some sense, he's literally calculating because he's no, he says he's going to kill 100 people a day until everybody's dead. Like, But even that sense of calculation yeah, is... That's only calculation in the literal sense. Like, yeah. On a, on a basic sense, he... There is no common sense to it at all. Yeah, there's no common sense to it, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's it's, he's doing it's, this just to do it. <laughs> it's the plan of somebody who isn't logical, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's saying that you're going to kill the entire country one by one Yeah. is so over the top and ridiculous in any other c- context. The only reason that it's scary coming from him is because he's so powerful that nobody can stop him. Yeah. That's the, that's the only reason why that threat carries that kind of weight is because of his power. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like imagining someone who plucks the wings off a fly just, just because like, I know it's a fly, but there's something, there's something icky about that idea, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I I know a fly isn't, like, the most advanced creature or whatever, or or it might not even have the most uh, organs or it might not be cute or whatever, but just the idea of someone who wants to take another creature's livelihood just for their own amusement, that's chilling, man. <laughs> Well, what if that fly said really mean things about you on Twitter? Oh, squish it. <laughs> <laughs> totally squish it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Do you think Uh-oh. it would have been more frightening or more horrifying if Shishigami had been the calculating, methodical type of evil? That's an interesting question. Um, I it it definitely would have been a different kind of story. Like if his whole thing was like I'm going to install myself as a dictator of Japan, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm going to take over this country. Okay, let's say that that was his plan or that was his end goal. I have to say that's not as scary. Like right. just just based on that. Yeah, because been, if you if he was gonna conquer a country, he wouldn't kill every single one of its citizens. Otherwise, what would be the point of ruling the country? Yeah, yeah. And even then, there's you could argue that there's a method to whatever madness exists there, right? So mm-hmm. so there's there's something there. There's a logic there that you can negotiate or uh circumvent even right yeah but him just going on a killing spree where he just goes i don't care which hundred die but i'm just going to kill a hundred people like and and the fact that it doesn't matter where you are because as long as you have any technology on you or there's a screen around you i can get you wherever you are yeah yep um Mm -hmm. 
yeah like yeah let's think of it this way like uh, if he was going to try to rule all of japan all you would have to do is subjugate yourself to him right and Mm -hmm. theoretically that would end the death yeah or, or at least mitigate it but yeah yeah so I think I've talked myself into believing that, at least in this instance, the idea of just chaotic evil is pretty scary. Yeah, makes sense, man. Yeah, I think you talked me into it, too. Yeah. You and your silver-tongued ways have convinced me. Well, what can I say? I, uh, my silver-tonguery is at peak... Silver tongue gurring. <laughs> I was wondering how you were gonna where you were gonna go with that. And you did not disappoint me. Um did you were there any other themes uh, that jumped out at you? I think the only other theme that we didn't really discuss too much was the theme of family. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, we mentioned a little at the beginning about how Inuyashiki himself, he didn't really have any friends uh, at work. People didn't even really know his name. Like, he was just kind of a faceless drone at his job. And yeah. uh, at home, his family kind of tolerated him. Like, they weren't... They weren't... Uh, it wasn't like they, they hated him or anything, but they... There were definitely moments where his kids showed him disrespectfulness. Yeah. And there were times when uh, he, you know, he just didn't really feel, like reading the story, I didn't feel like he was loved by his family. Yeah. You know, especially at the beginning. Exactly. Right at the beginning, I guess, I think we might have glossed over this part, but he's not just kind of this faceless drone or, or, you know, merely just a guy who's tolerated by his own family, but... He ends up, the story starts with him buying a house for his family to move into. And even yeah. as they move into the house, his his kids are disappointed and they express that disappointment to his face. Even though to him, like he he worked really hard for many years and saved up money yeah. to do this for his family, man. And his yeah. kids are like, oh man, it's in... It doesn't even face the main street. It's not big enough. It's not big enough. Yeah. Why did you buy a house like this? Yeah. You know, and and as a reader, you're just like, dude, these kids are ungrateful little brats. What the heck is wrong with them? Yeah. And he doesn't even really get mad at them, you know? Like, he's so, he's so mild-mannered that he just kind of, he just kind of just takes it and and doesn't really, uh, he doesn't, you know, somebody else would have been like, don't talk to your father like that, you know? disrespectful man and and he doesn't really call them out on it or anything and then later on he uh goes to the to the doctor because he's not feeling too well and he realizes the doctor tells him that he's got this terminal cancer i think uh yeah. i think it was cancer right yeah yeah it was so he they said that there's no way that they can they can uh, operate on him and he's just got to make the best use of his time that he has left and so he goes home from the hospital and he tries calling up his family. Like he calls up his wife, but she's busy at work. So I guess that's understandable. She doesn't answer the phone. But then like his kids see his 
his phone call and both of them are just like uh it's just my dad i'm not gonna answer this like i don't really care like you know they just ignore their father and then he gets home and they have a family dinner and they're all so enraptured uh by their own personal problems and their own lives that he doesn't even have the like he doesn't have the moment or he, or he doesn't find the he can't, yeah he can't even get their attention to announce that hey guys i'm dying yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah and I, I thought the the way that we just see how put down upon he is at the beginning um and yet after he gets his powers he he's still you know just such a genuinely good-hearted person like that that's that's real heroism you know like that's yeah a good contrast to the villain of the piece. Yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things too about how he ends up going to the park that night is it it it's kind of this homage to this old uh Akira Kurosawa film, Ikiru. Did you ever watch that one? No, I'm not familiar with that one at all. Yeah, it's from the 50s and and it's about this old man, uh, a regular old man who works for uh i think he he works for a city government department that handles uh parks and wrecks or something and he he learns that he has cancer and like the character in uyashiki that character in ikiru doesn't really have a whole lot of uh people that respect him or are close to him like his his family i think he's got grown kids in that movie and they don't like they're they're basically just waiting for him to die so they can get their inheritance. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the park one night when he realizes that he's dying and he hasn't really done anything with his life. And he sits on a on a swing set and he sings this song. And I I'm pretty sure that song is the same song that Inuyashiki sings to himself when he goes to the park at night realizing oh. that he's gonna die. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. Like I'd I'd have to look up the scene and check the the words but uh definitely reminiscent of ikiru which i thought was a pretty cool thing like that that's a good movie man like it's it's definitely not a modern movie because it was the 50s but it's akira kurosawa and it's classic man i've only seen it like one or two times but it's something that after reading inuyashiki i I do kind of want to check that movie out again i would recommend it Mm, mm. Yeah. What's uh what's the movie called again? Ikiru. It's Ikiru. spelled I K I R U. Interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I just looked it up. It was from 1952. Yeah. I have to check that out. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is, man. It, and I I think that whole uh similarity between the two main characters is it's pretty cool to see because you don't really i don't really know too many others i was trying to think of other stories to recommend after inuyashiki mm-hmm. and ikiru is something that i think has a similarity in terms of having an older main character that that uh realizes he's about to die and wants to make something of his life and obviously ikiru isn't that's a, a realistic drama you know there's nothing science fictiony about it yeah so it the way it plays out is extremely different from Inuyashiki, but I think just thematically and seeing like a story about how someone old wants to do something good before his time is up, there's something 
emotionally stirring about that. Mm. Okay, I could, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, I was gonna say that the way that they tell the story of Inuyashiki's family is pretty interesting because they go through a development and a change too. Um, yeah. Over the course of the series, well, I don't know. Is that's not really a spoiler, right? No, I think it's fair to say that. Okay. So, um, well, I, I'll say this much. Some characters get more attention than others, that's for sure. Like, I, I do think the daughter definitely gets yeah, the brunt of it, yeah. the most attention. And even, it isn't until later that the son gets a little bit more attention as well, um, you know, over the course of the series as they... You know, as the circumstances changes in Yashki's outlook on life and just how he interacts with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the wife, not quite as much. Like, yeah, I don't really know if I... I can really think of a particular moment that the two of them have between each other where... Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, with the son and the daughter, I, I can definitely picture moments here or there. Throughout yeah, the course the, of the, the series. The daughter definitely gets a lot of pages devoted to her uh yeah. in the in the latter half of the yeah. series. Which is interesting too, because early on you don't really see his family too much other than seeing them in the background when he when Inuyashiki is at home. Yeah. Like I, so by the time uh his daughter comes to the forefront, I was kind of taken by surprise because I wasn't really expecting her to be an important character. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was definitely cool to see that she did become not just a background object, but a real genuine character in the story. Yeah. And it, yeah, her her character development and to a lesser extent the son and the wife, like yeah. they definitely all of all of that cumulatively adds up to this family theme and and you just see how i don't know i guess it's a story that reminds you how valuable your loved ones are yeah yeah like thinking back to the earliest scenes where we see the family together like i'm hard pressed to even say that the family liked each other like they, <laughs> yeah that's true they they definitely didn't respect the dad but i don't there wasn't anything indicating that they were really a family other than the fact that they just all happened to live in the same house, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good yeah. point. They were yeah. they kind of came across as like roommates or something. Yeah. Or just stock people. <laughs> stock, yeah. Stock yeah. footage people or something. Yeah. yeah. Like they were all yeah, I I'd even say that they were all pretty self-involved with whatever things were going on in their life. Um, mm-hmm. Like one moment that I did like, and and this wasn't necessarily even a thing that had anything to do with Inuyashiki's powers, but at one point it's revealed that the daughter doesn't want to go to college. She wants to become a manga artist, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Everyone's like talking about how crazy that is, and her mother is definitely saying, "Oh, uh, you need to you be need talked to." You need to go to, to college. You need to go to college, exactly. 
And she tries, you know, she starts henpecking Inuyashiki to try to basically saying, say something to her, right? That's right. And he's just, again, just a testament to just how, like, good he is at his core and how supportive he is. He just goes and says something like, look, if you work real hard and, you know, finish high school, if you want to be a manga artist after that, then I want, or I'll have no choice but to support you or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's, there's this like pause between all of them and the daughter is kind of struck by it, but she goes, okay, then I'll, I'll do well in high school, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a nice little like moment of bonding between all of them. Yeah. Definitely a cool little family scene. Even though the idea or the way that uh, the theme of family is displayed in, in the series isn't anything too complicated or or yeah. anything unexpected, I still think it's a, it's a nice message to have. You know, it gives you at least a little bit of emotional, uh, emotional content that yeah. you can, you know, it, I- it, it's, it's a little bit more satisfying than just having... If that wasn't there, it'd be less satisfying, you know. Like having the family aspect there adds yeah. a little bit more meat to the bone, even if it's not complicated meat. Well, that's that's the thing. I do think that even though we don't see a lot of the family early on, if the rest of the series had continued on without them, I think it would have felt pretty weird, you know. Yeah, totally. It it, it would have felt like especially with all the stakes that develop later on. Uh, yeah. If it just became a story about how he goes off on adventures while his family completely disregards him and it just ends that way. Uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have felt anything, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So that's true. I do think... I do think that the the author of the manga, he definitely, I think he did a good job of putting, of knowing just how much family drama to put into it, where he didn't overdo it to the point where it overshadowed everything else, but he put just enough of it in where it felt, it made their entire situation feel realer, and it made mm-hmm. it believable that this was a, a family that, Deep down, deep down in there somewhere, there was a family that liked each other <laughs> yeah, or that loved yeah, each exactly. other. Yeah, you know? exactly. It wasn't all just about them living together and eating their meals in silence. Yeah. They weren't just props just, yeah. to, just to be in the story, you know? Yeah. Cause, yeah, because even early on, I yeah, there was this, there was a hollowness to their interactions where they, they didn't feel like they were just props. They could have just been mannequins just there to occupy space and mm-hmm. to, you know, make it feel like their world had characters beyond just Inuyashiki. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, for a big chunk of the early portion of the story, the only family member that showed him any affection was his dog. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts or anything else that you want to say about the story? Um, 
I I guess I did have one thing that I was going to ask you. And you might have addressed it a little bit, but I, I'm not sure if that was quite what I was thinking. Uh, when you were talking to me about this manga, um, you you told me at one point that the manga ended up going in a direction that you weren't expecting it to go in. Yeah. So having finished it now, I'm kind of curious what direction... Like, what did you think... What direction did you think it was going to go in? And how did that differ from what actually uh, played out? Okay. So if I answer that question, I would have to go... full bore on the spoilers because I, okay. I'd have to talk about the ending. Are we are we ready to do that or should we go with some recommendations first? Oh, uh, I mean, we could do recommendations after or would you rather do it first? Uh, I don't know. I was just thinking if, if, if we go full spoilers now and people who don't want to hear the spoilers tune out. Oh, okay. Good, good idea. Good idea. Okay, so let's go into uh, recommendations first, then. Yeah. So the I already I already mentioned the movie Ikiru by Akira Kurosawa. That's yeah. definitely something to check out. Uh, in terms of comics, a superhero comic that I would that I that I thought of was The Authority, and that's something that we talked about or mentioned quite often on our show just because it's one of the most influential superhero comics of the past 21 years. Yeah. So The Authority by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch, but also the Mark Miller run in particular, because The Authority has a lot of widescreen action and superheroic violence. Yeah. And Inuyashiki's scale definitely reminded me of, of The Authority and how everything there is so big and cinematic and... Uh, the scale of it is super grand, but on top mm. of that, the 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 villains that the authority end up fighting, they're pretty vile too. Like, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of evil characters that obtain a crazy amount of power, and they're those evil characters are a lot of them are along the same lines as Shishigami, where it's it's this kind of chaotic, unpredictable type of evil for its own sake. Mm. So that that was something um, that was that I found similar between Inuyashiki and and the Authority. Mm. Do, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, I have one, um, and it's actually something we've recommended before. But I did feel after reading it, I felt. I felt like this, like Inuyashiki had a similar vibe, but what I was going to recommend was actually Akira. And, uh, you know, we've recommended that before. It was in our top 25 Marvels, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you discussed or when you described just these pages of these grand sweeping battles between the two of them and or just uh, pages and pages of uh, just actions taking place Mm -hmm. that was something that made me think of akira um, yeah you know just in terms of that storytelling so 
you know, we've I've, we've recommended Akira before, but I'm recommending it again uh, if you're looking for something similar to this, similar in mood to this. That's true, man. Yeah. Tetsuo does go pretty mad with power. That's true. That's the other thing that I was thinking was it is a story about not necessarily like equal opposing forces, but it is about these two opposing forces that are on a path to against each other and just the ensuing destruction yeah. that's left in its wake, you know? Yeah, so, yeah totally. Uh, I do think that that is uh, a similar in spirit as well, that idea. It's interesting that those recommendations have more to do with the superheroic and visual aspects of Inuyashiki. I was trying to think of stories that are also about old men. Yeah. And it was tough, man. It was <laughs> tough. Like, I I don't consider something like Old Man Logan uh, to be a, a comparison to Inuyashiki because that's just It really like, doesn't. Wolverine yeah. is... Yeah, yeah, he's old. He's an old man in that comic, but <laughs> there's... There's nothing uh, average or nothing beyond that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he's not, he's still a a super powered mutant with claws, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to begin with, he 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 was never just an average guy who was put upon by his own family. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did I didn't think of something else while I was reading this, and <laughs> it might be just because uh. The story starts out with him getting cancer, <laughs> but okay. um, reading this, it it did make me think of Breaking Bad. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and uh, I guess I, I I wouldn't say that they're a direct comparison to one another. Uh, you know, like I said, the story starts out with him uh with both of them uh getting informed that they're getting cancer mm-hmm. but i will say that the one thing that's interesting about breaking bad that might uh that might be parallel to this on some level is uh i remember an interview with vince gilligan where he was talking about the trajectory of of the show of breaking bad and he was talking about how he wanted to tell a story about how an unassuming man uh, how he wanted to tell a story where at the beginning you had an unassuming man and he wanted us as the viewers to be on on this character's side and then he it, basically what he wanted to do is have you ever heard of um the frog in the pot uh like yeah the idea of a boiling frog in a pot uh no i don't i'm not sure where you're going with this okay so there there's this there's this thing that people say that when you put a frog in a pot and you slowly turn up the heat like if you do it gradually the frog doesn't realize it's boiling oh yeah until, until it's too late right that's right that's familiar to me now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've heard so, that so essentially what he wanted to do was he wanted to create a character where we as the viewer was were on the side of of Walter White at the beginning because he's a good man and he's unassuming and but 
you know, his intentions are generally good, right? Mm-hmm. But over the course of the series, he wanted to slowly ratchet that up where uh, out of necessity and out of uh, survival instincts, uh, you know, we, we root for him initially, but as he develops over the course of, you know, the seasons of the show and as he's forced to make more and more decisions, uh, he wanted to see if he could ultimately get this character to a place where he becomes fully evil and wow. if we as the viewer would still root for him. You know, oh, that's fascinating, man. That's a really clever idea. Yeah. And Inuyashiki doesn't do that because, you know, he's still pure, like, mm-hmm. over the course of the series. But it is still this study of good and evil, like we mentioned. Yeah. So, so I do think, uh, in that sense, they're, I guess, spiritual cousins to one another. That's cool, man. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of those shows everybody loves. I just haven't seen it, but I, yeah, if, I do want to check it out one day, man. No, uh, that, yeah, that's a really cool idea by the. Is he the creator of the show or the writer? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the creator. Yeah, and I, I remember thinking that that was, it's, it's almost like performance art on some level, right? Yeah, <laughs> like totally. He's. Yeah, for him to produce this thing and to slowly ratchet it up. Uh, yeah, and and initially, because, you know, he does what he does, his his initial goals in the show is, uh, you know, to, to do, uh, well, to sell meth because he wants to provide for his family, which is, you know, on the surface of his, on, the, on his face, it's like, oh, we can all get behind that. You know, yeah. like he wants to take care of his family. He wants to make sure that they're not destitute when he's gone. Yeah. But it quickly, yeah, it quickly uh, evolves from there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, another story that I thought of uh, that's about a normal person, an average normal person being put into a situation that they never could have imagined is this comic I read recently called Bad Mother. Mm. So this was published by AWA, which is one of the newer comic book publishers on the scene. Mm. Artists, writers, and artisans, I think is what it stands for. And this is the company that Bill Jemis founded. And I think Axel Alonzo is the editor-in-chief or something like that. But... They, I read this book I borrowed from the library called this comic I borrowed from the library called Bad Mother, written by Krista Faust and ri- with art by Mike Diodato. Mm. Uh, this is a story that's about an average everyday suburban soccer mom, and she's she doesn't have a military background. She's not a sharpshooter. She doesn't know martial arts. She's just kind of this normal mother who really loves her kids. But the story starts off with her daughter being, her teenage daughter being involved with the wrong kind of teenage boy. Cause I think the teenage boy that she's involved with is the son of a, of a, a mobster or some, some criminal. Mm. And it ends up escalating into a thing where the bad guys, the criminals, kidnap 
the daughter and the story becomes a story about what what things will this average mother do in order to save her daughter when the police are corrupt and and she can't trust anybody mm, mm. yeah it's it's a pretty short story and i think in a lot of ways it's it's a little simple but I thought it was still pretty enjoyable and it's not so long that it overstays its welcome or makes you question the premise or anything. It, it's just a simple, enjoyable story. Uh, it, it's a little bit weird with Mike Diodato's art. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> know how you feel about his art, uh, but it it definitely, I think the, the story probably would have been better served with somebody uh, with a different style. Someone who wasn't so quite as action oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I will give him credit for drawing the way he designed the mother wasn't like one of his typical women. Like she actually looked like a normal person. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't like just some busty, wide-hipped, uh, like sex icon. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, she she wasn't, but a lot of the other characters were. <laughs> And it, yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing that kind of takes you out of it um, at times. But if, if you can look past his art, like he still adequately tells the story. And I, I thought it was entertaining enough. Okay. Okay. Bad and if you just want to see a, an old man kick some butt, I, I always like that one story arc from Astonishing X-Men by Whedon and Cassidy, the danger <laughs> story. There's that yeah. one issue where, where Professor Xavier... It's just beating the crap. <laughs> yeah, he, he 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 beats the crap out of uh, I guess danger. the the robotic embodiment of the danger room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like basically, the danger room becomes a robot, and she wants to kill Professor X because he enslaved her for all those years to train the X Men. But he's shown that he's the master. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty funny uh, concept. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's probably that might be my favorite story from that run. I like stories where old men beat up, uh, <laughs> you know, unstoppable enemies. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. Uh, there were a few Jason Aaron ones too. Like, what was that? Men of Wrath. I feel was an old man story. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Don't know if it's. Yeah, I, I don't think it's too similar to Inuyashiki, though, but um, it's definitely an old man story, and Southern Bastards, too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Those tend to be tough old men. Yeah. Jason Aaron writes likes writing his tough old men stories. Yeah, Scalp definitely had some tough old men, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Actually, thinking of a frumpy old men... I was thinking of uh, that uh, Sandman story from Starman. So you, the the James Robinson Starman series, right, about Jack Knight, there was that one story arc. I think it was around issue 20, but it was called Sand and Stars, and it was about the Golden Age Sandman, Wesley Dodds. I so, don't remember. So unlike the rest of the Justice Society, he he didn't get trapped in that limbo dimension, so he aged naturally. So by the time this story takes place, he's like in his late 70s, I think. Like he's got to be in his late 70s. And it's a story about him 
uh, meeting Jack Knight, who is uh, the original Starman's uh, son, I think. So it's like Sandman, you know, he's he wants to help the son of his old friend. But at this point, he's a 78-year-old man or whatever, you know, like late 70s. And even when he was in his prime, he was never one of those hulking, he wasn't muscular. A brawler. He wasn't a brawler. He wasn't like, yeah, he knew martial arts, but he wasn't super athletic. You know, he was always kind of like this frumpy looking dude. Well, let's put it this way. I'm pretty sure his background was that he was a scientist. <laughs> I think right? he was a yeah scholar scientist. Yeah, he did have he did study martial arts, but he he wasn't like he didn't have an athletic build or anything. Like they always yeah. drew him kind of more uh, round or plump. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he's like seventy something years old in the Starman story, and and uh, the thing I remember about that story, I don't remember the details too well, but I remember the moments pretty vividly because Jack Knight ends up getting in trouble and the only one who can do anything about it is, is Sandman. And he's so old. He's, he's actually scared because he doesn't, he doesn't know what he can do against, you know, these guys that very likely can kill him because he doesn't have any powers. So he's, he's like debating in his mind what, what is he going to do? Like, by the time he calls for help, it's going to be too late for Jack. But if he if he goes out himself, the most likely outcome is that he's going to get yeah. killed. Because <laughs> he's, he's an elderly gentleman. <laughs> but he, he, he's an he octogenarian. Yeah, he's an octogenarian. <laughs> but it's cool because he, he spends time to reminisce about his friend... Uh, like there's a, a flashback scene that Guy Davis draws, and you see how he and the original Starman were like in opposite positions. Where where at, the, at one point in the past, when they were in their primes, Sandman was captured by some bad guys, and Starman risked everything in order to save him. So now that the tables have been reversed, and he has a chance to save his friend's son, he just tells himself there's no real choice to be made, you know, like I have to I have to do this and yeah. even if I die, I'll die content. And he yeah, yeah, yeah. and he heads out. And I always thought that was one of the cool moments from from the series. Yeah, that was a great run, uh Starman. It's been a while since I read it, but it's it's something that definitely left me with nothing but good feelings towards it mm. to the point where I'm confident that if I reread it, it would still be good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. So you want to get to a uh, spoiler territory now? Let us spoil release the spoils. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So earlier you asked me, uh, what was it in Inuyashiki that this, where did the story go that I didn't expect it to when we had that conversation, right? Yep. So I'm going to talk about the ending now. So if you guys don't want to know the ending of Inuyashiki, you might as well tune out. But if you don't care, uh, I'm about to spoil it. So what ends up happening 
near the end of the story is that the there's a a meteor that's heading towards Earth. I guess it's alluded to like earlier on in the story or part way. Like if you pay attention to to news reports that are in the background of certain scenes, you'll you'll hear about it or or see it. But towards the latter portion of the story, this meteor takes precedence. What ends up happening is that there's nothing that anybody can do to stop this meteor from crashing into Earth. And if it hits, it's going to be cataclysmic and probably wipe out all life on Earth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Inuyashiki decides that it's up to him to, to stop it because he's, he can actually fly into outer space. You know, the, the other countries of the world have already fired their nukes at it, and it, those nukes haven't been able to destroy the meteor. So he thinks he's just going to fly up there and see if he can do it himself. And what he realizes is that he's not able to do it. The only way that he could dis- possibly destroy the meteor is if he activates his self-destruct. So, like, number one, I think I wasn't expecting the story to go in that direction. And by that, I mean I I wasn't expecting the ultimate bad guy or ultimate, you know, obstacle of the piece to be a meteor that was going to extinguish all life on Earth. (laughs) I really thought the story was going to be about him and Shishigami you know, they, I figured they would have to duke it out and one of them would have to be eliminated. You know, mm. that's how I thought the story was going to end. But what we end up getting is Shishigami ends up... Like, they've already fought at this point. Like, they they fight probably in, like, volume, I don't know, seven or eight? Yeah, it was close to the end. Yeah. They, they fight close to the end and somehow Inuyashiki m- manages to... I don't know. It's not like a definitive win because he doesn't kill the kid, but he, I think he, he manages. Messes him up. Yeah, he messes badly. him up. He messes yeah. him up to the point where the kid has to spend some time recuperating. Mm. So while he's recuperating, Inuyashiki figures he tries to figure out a way to stop this meteor, and he realizes he flies up there and he can't do it. But what ends up happening is the the kid flies up there, and he ends up using his self-destruct to destroy the meteor, um, thereby, you know, saving the, the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember seeing... Like, I don't, I don't know if there was information about the meteor earlier on in the book, but I feel like around Volume 5, they introduced the... Yeah, that that element of it, and yeah, at the time it felt pretty unexpected. I, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say that much. Yeah, um, that's that's what I wasn't expecting. Okay. But okay. the thing about it was that it it did bring up a uh, one of those bizarre philosophical questions that probably really only arise when you read superhero comics. (laughs) But when it comes to the notion of heroism, or I guess going back to what we were talking about, good and evil earlier, can someone evil, someone who is that purely evil, do something 
good to redeem himself. Yeah. It, I mean... it. That's the question that it raises, because Shishigami did end his own life in order to save the planet. Yeah. But even he admits... He didn't even do it for everybody else on the planet. He was just like, there are people that happen to live on the planet that I do care about. So yeah. he, was, he was still committed to that ideology. Yeah, like, that, that the, is a good if point. The, if, the, if the asteroid or the comet or whatever had struck the planet, but he could guarantee that the handful of people that he liked could still survive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a feeling he would let it hit. <laughs> That's that's a good point, man. That's a good point. But we did see that one scene where Ando was, you know, when he hears this, it it hurts him emotionally because at that point, uh, Shuchi, what was his name again? Shuchigami. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at that point, after he gets messed up from the fight, he shows up at Ando's house, and Ando's basically pissing himself afraid because he's like oh man yeah this guy's gonna hurt me now just to because he knows i helped inuyashiki yeah exactly but so he goes and he sneaks off to the bathroom to call inuyashiki to like mess this guy up finish him off but then the guy's just like i just came here to hang out with you and then all of a sudden he shows up on on this asteroid with inuyashiki and, you know, they have that conversation, which Ando is listening to, and he, you know, he finds out that his his friend or his ex-friend is going to basically self-destruct in order to to save him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, in fact, what, what the line was, wasn't it? Uh, I, I forget how it plays out, but he goes... I, I think he was like, what did he... Oh, I think uh, Shujigami, like, before he, he sets off his self-destruct, he goes, just tell him, uh, tell Ando that I wanted to protect the world because you're on it or something like that, right? Something like that. Yeah, basically the idea is that Shujigami still cared about his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's just a weird thing to think about because... This guy is so freaking evil. The idea that he cares about somebody is almost a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly doesn't excuse him for killing hundreds of people. (laughs) Yeah. Probably Uh, thousands. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was, it was, I I felt for Ando though. I mean, I, I, I felt his emotional torment. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, confusing set of conflicting emotions. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Just to imagine someone who was once your friend losing his mind and doing all these horrific acts, but still, that dude ends up sacrificing his own life because he cared about you. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird, yeah. man. Like just you personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is weird, man. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, like, I don't. Hey, Albert, what if Pol Pot died for your sins? <laughs> I guess it's okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh. Yeah, I yeah I don't I can't say that the asteroid. Uh, the revelation of the asteroid as a story element was was necessarily something I was expecting. I yeah, I felt like the the natural course or the natural resolution to the story would have just been a final a final battle between these two characters, right? Yeah. So it's yeah, like I guess tonally it's awkward to have him have this redemptive moment. But at the same time, like, I didn't feel like it ruined the ending for me or anything like that, you know? Now, do you actually consider that a redemptive moment? Did he no, redeem himself? I, I, I can't say. I, yeah, I guess I can't say that. Um, and now that I think about it, I do feel like. I don't know if this is like an anime trope or anything necessarily, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of there are quite a few animes where um you know where where that end on a note where even the villain does something right may it it might not make them a hero, but you know they they come back around and end up helping out somehow right sure sure, yeah like i yeah, I, I feel like I've seen that happen a couple of times in animes. What did you say? No? Yeah. Maybe not even merely just anime, but stories yeah. in general. Okay. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd really have to think in order to come up with a specific example, but I, I get what you're saying. I get I get. Yeah. Like... <laughs> like, what? I, I'm not going to name names, but... Uh, like I feel like that one dude in Iron Blooded Orphans. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, I wouldn't say he was redeemed, but <laughs> you know, he he did, he died for a cause. <laughs> That I'll, he say did. That I'll say that much. He was committed to his cause. <laughs> yep. That he was. <laughs> I also think that with uh, going back to Inuyashiki's ending, I, I do think that it's possible that the creator wanted to concoct a way for the villain to to be destroyed and and maybe it's because Inuyashiki himself wasn't realistically strong enough or capable of killing Shishigami, or maybe well, maybe he's not even a killer, right? Like, he, yeah, I think it's fair to say that he wasn't a killer. Yeah, yeah. And clearly, uh, maiming wasn't an option. You know, like he, like the only way to stop Shishigami was to completely annihilate him. Yeah. So this meteor is probably the only way that could accomplish that. Otherwise, yeah. the story... I guess 
if the story had just ended with the two of them fighting and Inuyashiki simply destroying the kid, it, I guess that tonally that would have felt weird too. Yeah, because he's not as powerful of a fighter and also because he doesn't really seem like a killer. Yeah. Well, it's but I this. guess it, it had to end somehow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I would have had a problem with this. Okay, so the ending goes uh, with uh, Shishigami sacrificing himself to stop this asteroid. The explosion is supposed to uh, derail the trajectory of this asteroid, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work out that way. Uh, it's it's not fully successful, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Inuyashiki eventually has to... He has to sacrifice himself too, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about things that the writer has to do to like resolve it in a in a satisfactory satisfactory slash neat way, like I guess the question would have been like if Inuyashiki had survived and had returned home with his family, would it have been would it have been, I guess, problematic if if we had to live with the idea that this singular weapon of mass destruction was still hanging around <laughs> on this on this planet? <laughs> I guess knowing what we know as readers of the story and seeing how good of a person Inuyashi was, I guess I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I if I was one of the citizens in the story, yeah, and I had to live in that world, but I had my knowledge from outside of the book. I'd be the guy with the power. Yeah. <laughs> than yeah. Most most other people, for sure. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. But the 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 fact that both of them ended up dying, I think that does give a a great sense of finality to the story because then you read the story. And you know that there's a very definitive ending. Yeah. And in fact, in a cer- from a certain perspective, it's even one could even say that the the old man and the teenager both died at the beginning of the story, and the entire story was about Ooh. these robots that thought they were those people, right? That's yeah, yeah, that's true. Like there's this this whole kind of science fiction philosophical element that's raised up in a subtle way, but yeah, by the by the fact of the matter is, or by the by the fact of the creator having both of the characters die in on the asteroid, I think what we get is a ten volume series that begins and ends with a very strong sense of finality. Like, there's no way that you would get to the end of Volume 10 and be like, I want to know what happens next. (laughs) You know, (laughs) because everything that has happened or that can happen has happened. Like, what, you want to read the stories about all the people who survived on the planet? You know, (laughs) like, that's not really part of this 
Inuyashiki story anymore. You know, like yeah, yeah, you want to yeah. read about how his family reacts or or you know what happens to his dog or whatever. I mean, we get these little epilogues that show us, and I think yeah. that's enough. You know, it it feels completely satisfying. It feels like there's nothing more that needs to be said in that world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, but I'm sure there are fans, there are types of fans out there <laughs> who, would, <laughs> who would bend over backwards to uh, concoct something where they believed that, where they could tell themselves that Inuyashiki or or uh, the other guy were both able to survive somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in any other kind of superhero comic, you could tell yourself that they're going to come back to life. Everybody gets resurrected at some point. Well, it's not even that. Like, I don't know. Like, fan theories are the worst. It's like, what if they didn't die, and it turns out that they survived? <laughs> okay, what if, in like 10 years from now, what if Hiroyu Oka... Oku ends up uh, doing a sequel, and he reveals that they both, when after the explosion, a minuscule part of each of them survived, and it's taken them like, I don't know, years and years to reconstitute themselves in the vast depths of space. If he did it, I'd be fine with it, but if anybody else, I, I would have to mock that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. You are a fair man, Albert. I try not to be. You try not to be fair? <laughs> <laughs> I I let my biases run my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would nominate you for the Supreme Court. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Because other... I assume that you're biased in favor of more comic books. Oh yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Any any uh, any judgment that would result in more comics is a judgment I'd be in favor of. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week we're continuing our Invincible read through, covering volumes twelve and thirteen next week. Correct? Yes. Yeah, boy. All right, I'm looking forward to it. it it's also funny how uh, in our last Invincible read-through, we, we were talking about uh, the character Oliver and how he was so disconnected from humanity that yeah. they were nothing to him and he didn't have any yeah. problem taking life. And this was one of the comics I was reading around that time. Inuyashi was one of the things I was reading. Yeah, yeah so it was, was kind of interesting to, to have that comparison between the stuff that Oliver was spouting and the stuff that we saw Shishigami do and say. Sure. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Between the Gutters. Peacing out. We are peacing out. Later. a second sorry let me put up the comic so i can
and at least have the name in front of me. <laughs> Don't tell me you forgot the name of the comic that you just read. I mean, it's not in English, so it's not something that I <laughs> just, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not like. I don't retain those kind of details. Uh, like, this entire it's... week you were just calling it the old man manga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a word that I'm familiar with, you know? It's not something that I use on a regular basis, and it's it's certainly not a name that I'm... Like, if the book was just called Alan, sure, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still recording? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I'll, give I'll me... cut this out and put it at the end of the credits. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> do it, do it. There we go. That'll replace the <laughs> that'll replace the the question we don't have. <laughs>